0: Our New Testament reading again is the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 8, starting with verse 27, and I'll be reading down to verse 38. Hear you the word of the Lord. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he said to him, them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered to him, you are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he said he, but when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. When he had called other people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen.
1: amen.
0: I want to spend a little bit of time talking about participation, prompting, and predictions. Participation, prompting, And I am an observer of success when I look at people who are good at something, people who operate in excellence in any given field, I want to watch them. I wonder about the amount of time it took for them to get to that level. And I wonder when the language changes. See, I recall taking Spanish class in in, uh, middle school and high school and I recall going to classes and the class being first in all English and then eventually as the semester and the year progressed there was a mixture of English and Spanish until the time that you got to the end of the semester and the class was almost entirely in Spanish. The language changed. When I played football at the beginning of the season, the coach would tell us, I want you to run down the field six yards, turn around and look for the ball. That was the route you ran. Then later on in the season, that became a hitch route or a stop route and then even later on in the season he would just say run on number one. The language changed. In the jobs that we have, when we start working at these particular jobs, all of the forms and processes that we have to go through, they uh, tell them what they are for. And then eventually they become acronyms. On my job, job safety assessment becomes a JSA. A job hazard assessment becomes a JHA. As the language changes, they become numbers and acronyms because they expect as you
1: improve
0: that they don't have to go over some of those things before. The further along that you get in any particular process, the language changes. The language changes on our job because they expect more of us. The language changes at school because they expect more of us. The language should change in our Christian life because God expects more of us. The Bible says in Ephesians four fourteen through 16 that we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning and craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effect of working by which each and every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We should expect more. The Bible says in James 1, 2 through 8, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you match wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all things literally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything for the Lord for he is a double-minded man and unstable in both ways. They expect more out of us. And if we want to just be a little... Smaller about it, a little more plain language about it. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I fought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. They should expect more of us. The addict says, new levels, new devils. The disciples had been participating in the ministry of Jesus. Let the church say participating. They had an opportunity to watch Jesus heal the sick. Raise the dead, open up blinded eyes, set the captives free. They were front row for all of it. They had VIP access to what Jesus was doing. But the language was about to change. They had been getting the benefits of ministry, but now they were about to get a better understanding of the cost. In this passage in the gospel according to Mark, Jesus is taking the training wheels off. In the text, he asks, who do people say I am? And I had to wonder, why would somebody be concerned about that? Why would somebody ask that kind of question? But then I came to the understanding that we have to be mindful of our perceptions when we witness. And we are always witnessing. To be honest, the times... That my witness has been the most effective is when I wasn't trying. It was when people were watching me when I didn't think anybody was looking. That spoke more volumes to people who were looking to make a decision to follow Christ than any sermon I preached or any Bible scripture that I quoted. It was when they were watching me. The Bible actually doesn't say to witness. It says to be a witness. You have to be a witness. So it's about your actions. It's about how you watch, how you are watched rather when no one is looking. That makes or breaks more relationships. There are people now who won't go to church because they watch how so-called Christians act.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: There are plenty of people that have no problem with Jesus, have no problem with God, have no problem with the Bible. Their problem is with the people who claim to follow it. So we have to be mindful of our perception. Which is why I have a problem personally with passing out tracts. I've actually been in situations where I've almost gotten into an argument with certain people, in particular parking lots, because they want to hand me a brochure and I won't take them. And then they seem even doubly offended when I say that I'm a pastor and I won't take the track. Why will I not take the track? Because to me that is not witnessing. I might be stepping on some toes here, but this is just how I feel about it. Yes,
1: sir. Yes, sir.
0: handing somebody a brochure about Jesus mm-hmm. instead of building a relationship with them yes. instead of living a life
1: yes.
0: that has them to come ask you what must yes. I do to become saved now i 'm not saying we don't talk to Jesus right. about people mm-hmm. I mean we don 't talk to Jesus about, we don't talk to people about Jesus rather than we don't share our story mm-hmm. but how does one up on somebody in the parking lot and stuffing a brochure in their hand even if they don't want to take it bring them closer to Jesus if the people who love Jesus can't keep track of bulletins how much more so is someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus supposed to hold on to a brochure that a stranger forced upon them with a five second conversation in the parking lot it's more than that. And we seem to be, as a church, the only people, not little C church, big C church. We seem to be the only people that don't understand that. I've uh, been a student of business. Uh, got two degrees in it. And the one thing I've learned in business, and particularly marketing, is that for somebody to make a decision to try something new, they have to see it nine times. And not only do they have to see it nine times, they really have to see it 27 times. Because every three times they see this product, they forget about it twice. And it's not just someone talking to them about it, talking to them about it for 27 times. It could be a song, it could be a billboard. There are are many different ways that they can go to it. So nobody makes a decision off of impulse. It may seem like impulse, But they've been working that impulse whenever you buy something. That is why my three-year-old loves McDonald's. Even though we don't go to McDonald's often because McDonald's is there. It's in the face. We see it repeatedly. So to me, a five-second conversation is not enough to bring somebody in. We have to build that relationship. They have to see it that nine times. Be a witness because some of that time you're not going to understand it and you're not going to know it but they're going to be looking at you and that's going to be one of their nine times All
1: right. All right.
0: be a witness and the disciples give an answer they say some say John the Baptist some say Elijah and others say some of the other prophets and they say that because the people have a fundamental misunderstanding of what the messiah is and what the messiah came to do i'll cover that a little bit later but the going the going thought was that jesus was the second coming to some people particularly herod jesus was the second coming of john the baptist they thought they had gotten rid of john the baptist and he's back again just a misunderstanding yeah But he asked them a second question after the first one. He says, who do you say I am? You see, even though you have to be a Christian in community, and you have to work with other people, and how you treat people and how you talk to people is part of your Christian ministry and part of being in community, you still have to form your own relationship with Christ. And how could they answer that question truthfully unless they had spent some time with Jesus? You can't really talk about somebody you don't know. That's gossip. (laughs) It is the development of the relationship that allows them to answer the question articulately. Uh, There was a time about 8 maybe nine years ago, where I was accused of something. And it was a, a big to-do. We family, I can share this with you. I was working at Windsor Village, and uh, at the time, I was responsible for the youth drama ministry. And uh, we got a new person, the new adult volunteer, to help work with the youth drama ministry, and she would eventually take over it as I transitioned out. But uh, I got a phone call at my job. I don't know how they got my work number. It wasn't listed. It was nowhere to be found. But this particular person that found my work number told me that somebody had told him, oh, yeah, they saw Johnny at church and said, Johnny is a good guy, but I would not trust him around my wife and so this particular husband took it upon himself to call me at my job to ask me was I interested in his wife I was not but because this was church business and I was working with the church I had to report this up the chain and to the ministry coordinators and the youth pastor at the time. And we had to have a sit down by this. And I told one of the, the, the managing coordinator, and the managing coordinator laughed at me. I can't believe you brought this to me. I was being respectful and following the protocol, but she laughed. The team building coordinator got angry. And the youth pastor at the time, he was out of town. He was in Chicago, but I called him on the cell phone and he said, oh man, come on. I cannot believe this. But the reason why is because they had spent time with me. And all of them said that my character did not reflect something to do that. So when they are asking who does somebody say you are, what kind of time have you put in? What kind of vouch can you give? The only way you'd be able to vouch for somebody, the only way you'd be able to talk about somebody like you know them is if you spent some time with them. And that is what the disciples did with Jesus. And we are all disciples, for a disciple means student. And we are students of the scripture, we are students of Jesus, so we all ought to be able to spend time with Jesus. Reading, Mm. His Word, Mm. fasting, praying, Mm. worshiping—you have to put in the time. That's the only way you can answer who men say that, who you say that I am, Mm. with any kind of validity. Amen. Amen. And so they answer him. They say that you are the Messiah. You are the Christ you are the anointed one and there is a language change in the text for see this is the first time that they refer to Jesus as that this is a turning point we've gone from watching the benefits of Jesus we've gone from receiving the benefits of being close to Jesus to having to understand now that there is going to be some work to be done He is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that has come to save us. And so, because this is the first time that it has been acknowledged, there's going to be some changes. And in verse 30, Jesus warns them not to tell anyone about him. Not because it's not true. Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the anointed one. But there is confusion about that term. See, at that time, the, 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 this text is talking about the people of God were oppressed militarily, politically, socially. And so when they were looking for a savior, they were looking for someone to save them militarily, politically, socially. Jesus was not the first person that they called Messiah. I'm reminded of someone by the name of Judas Maccabeus. A few hundred years before Jesus, he went to war with the Romans and won for a week. Was able to fight off the Roman forces for a whole week and, and when he came into town, He came into town on a donkey. And when he came into town on a donkey, they laid out palm branches for him because he had saved them militarily, politically, socially, for him. And not only did they lay out these palm branches for Judas Maccabeus, but they said Hosanna. They said Hosanna as he came down because they thought he was the Messiah. There were plenty others that they thought were the Messiah because they were able to save them politically, militarily, and socially for a brief amount of time. But then the Romans called in reinforcements and, and put them back in their place. And so there was confusion about the term at that time. And so he did not want them to put out that he was the Messiah at that time because they would have responded, the Romans would have responded militarily politically and socially and we cannot allow a political misunderstanding to derail what God has for us God has set out to do something for us and we cannot allow the politics of the situation to stop us from doing it and that's why Jesus did not want it because it was not his time but the language has changed. It's out there now. We got to take the training wheels out. There's work to be done. There's more to be done even after. And the language is interesting. And he lets them know after prompting the question and giving them their participation that there's a prediction. Let the church say Prediction. The language is, is interesting because he says that he must go through this. And not only that he must go through this, but that people who are held in high esteem are going to be turned against him. And not only against him, but, but, but those who decide to roll with him. Says elders in the text, lay members, Sanhedrin, a court, that governs Jewish affairs it's got elders in it it's got chief priests it's got teachers of the law it's got the scribes all these people were held in high esteem and people of that rank are going to be against him sometimes when you set out to do what God has for you some high ranking people will have something to do against it but what God has for you is for you and there is nothing that will be able to stop them. <clears throat> These chief priests, these wealthy people, these high priestly families, Sadducees, Pharisees, Sanhedrin, no matter what it is, no matter what kind of rank they have, none of it outranks Jesus. It's the name that's above all names. The name that whichever knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess But there's going to be some trouble. It's going to have to go through a process. Diamonds are created under immense amount of pressure. Gold has to be heated up to a a very hot temperature and the impurities rise up and scrape off. There's going to be a process. And so Jesus is predicting his rejection, his death and his resurrection. And in verse 31, I I like that it says, uh, in 831, it says uh, that he told them openly, or 32, he told them openly. Some translations say plainly. That meant this wasn't a parable. This wasn't a metaphor. Jesus had been speaking in Mark 1 through 8 to people in parables. But we're going to stop the parables right now and let you know this is not a game. This is not for you to figure out. I'm going to put it as simple as I can. The Messiah is going to have to die. The Messiah is going to have to be resurrected. No parables. He said it publicly. And because he said it publicly, because the language had changed... Peter tried to take him to the side. Again, Peter took him to the side because there was confusion about this word Messiah, this Christ, this anointed one, this Savior. People had attached a certain mindset to the Savior. And because they were looking for a militaristic Savior, a political Savior, a social Savior, instead of a spiritual Savior, they did not want to hear talk. About their savior dying. Okay. That doesn't match some of the things that Jesus was going through. And that's why Peter had the audacity to try to rebuke Jesus. He didn't want to hear about his military general dying. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those who are saved it is the power of God Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree see 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 they couldn't put their minds around the king of kings and the lord of lords being crucified Because crucifixion is how they took care of common criminals back then. This was not fit for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It would be comparable to somebody telling you today that your savior is going to be somebody that is going to go up to Huntsville and get the lethal injection. That might sound strange to you because that is what they do to criminals here in Texas common executions was not what they thought was going to be about the Savior that's why they had a hard time understanding their Lord being crucified they had a hard time with this prediction but God's son would humble himself enough to become human first and then allow himself to die like a common criminal even though he was innocent But he did it just for us. So you have Peter attempting to rebuke Jesus. And then you have Jesus rebuking Peter. One commentary I was reading said that Satan is at work work, even among Jesus' own disciples. Not just Judas. But even in Peter. And Peter was the one that was supposed to run things. After Jesus rose from the dead. And went to heaven. So if if the enemy. Can attack the worst of the disciples. And the one who is deemed the best of the disciples. I think you fit somewhere in there. We are all. Capable of being attacked. That's why we all. Should be able to take the training wheels off That's why we all should be able to Develop ourselves in the body of Christ We all should be able to study To show ourselves approved A workman need not be ashamed Rightly dividing the word truth. We all should be able to go before the Lord With much prayer and supplication And making our requests be made known to God We all have more that is required of us If the enemy can attack the best And the worst We're somewhere in between we are not above reproach. Oh, and he gives us our requirements after the prediction. To be a disciple of Jesus, a person must take up their own cross and follow Christ. We, we have these symbols of of the cross everywhere but I don't think sometimes we understand. Sometimes I don't understand as well as I should, but to carry your own cross, the entire cross, weighed usually around three hundred pounds. And so they would take the vertical beam and put it wherever they were going to put you at already. So it would have already been at Calvary. It would have already been at Golgotha. It would have already been at the place of the skull. But that crossbar, the horizontal part, usually weighed about 100 pounds. And they had to carry that themselves. I can only imagine having to carry 100 pounds. For miles while I'm being mocked and beaten and right. bruised right. for something I didn't do right. and not only is it something I didn't do but it's something that if I do I'm gonna take care of people who don't even know me yet
1: All right.
0: All right. All right. and not only are we supposed to not only did Jesus do that but we are supposed to do that we are supposed to deny ourselves hmm. deny our status hmm. Deny our own trappings. Mm. Deny the things that we think are something, but really, in the eyes of God, are not. Right. We are but filthy rags. Mm. Mm. But we have to take up our own 100 pound crossbar and carry it our own miles and deny ourselves and work and tarry in the Lord. Mm. Taking up your cross is meant to be something hard. And not only do we have to take up our cross, but we have to die. I mean there's, there's no really beating around the bush about it. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Being a Christian means we have to die. We have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our desires. We have to die to anything that keeps us between, that keeps itself between us and God. We have to lose it. This is not our life anymore, but it's Christ's. Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I who lives, but the Christ who lives in me we're not doing this for ourselves anymore we're doing it for Jesus and we're doing it for those who come behind us then there is no monetary value that you can put on it What, what is it for a man to gain the world and lose his soul can't take the money with you you can probably buy a nice casket spend a lot of money on having some great people come and sing and I've seen now there are even custom funeral services where these guys practically put on a, a show. But you won't be able to enjoy any of that. There's no monetary value that you can put on it. No way to buy it. It's given to us and we don't deserve it. All right. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for all of us. So that whosoever shall believe in him shall be saved. Jesus had to become that which he was going to save in order to save it. So Jesus became a man
1: so
0: that he could save all of mankind. And then he knew no sin. So that he could take on all of our sins. So that we wouldn't have to pay the price. That price is death, hell, and the grave. But he did it for us. But thank God that's not how the story ends. Three days later, he rose again. With all power in his hand. And because... He rose with all power in his hand. We're here. And we're here to tell other people about Jesus. We're here to tell other people about the love of God. We're here to tell other people about the Holy Spirit. So that we can ride free without our own training wheels. We get to participate. We get prompted of our questions and we see the prediction... We learn the requirements, but we receive the reward. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.